we have been for several weeks now talking about stories that are important for us to hear over this season. And I'm going to tell you another story tonight. And these have all been stories that Jesus tells. And this is one of the shortest stories that Jesus told in the entire Bible. In fact, it's one verse, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But as we're uh, thinking about what Jesus is going to tell us, you're familiar with that idiom. It's like finding a needle in a haystack. What does that mean? You know, that typically means that's, that's really hard to find. It would be so difficult to find a small little needle in a haystack. And this situation or this circumstance that I'm trying to find, what's that all about? Or to find, where's God? What's God doing? Is like a needle in a haystack. Do you ever feel like finding God is hard? Do you ever feel like discerning or figuring out God's will, God's purposes, God's direction for your life is hard? I mean, you just have to look and look and search and search. Sometimes it is. And then sometimes it isn't. Sometimes we absolutely stumble into God. We bump into Him. Excuse me. We stumble right into the things that God is doing. And sometimes we get it, and sometimes we don't. Not too uh, long ago, a couple years ago, this woman, uh, Amanda Peace, had been uh, setting about to rework her home. She just bought a 90-year-old home. And she decided that she uh, was going to get into this major fixer-upper kind of project. And so she hired this guy, Bob Kitts, to be her contractor. And they started tearing this place apart and and, uh, doing it room by room. And one of the first rooms that they went into was the bathroom. This 90-year-old, much-needed repair job. Uh, He goes in there and he begins to rip the, the wall apart. And he sees this bundled up package. And he kind of peels it back and looks inside, and there's a $50 bill. He pulls out this entire package and takes it in, lays it on a table and puts it before Amanda, and they begin to open this thing up. There are $182,000 that had been hidden in the wall of this bathroom. How many of you heard this story? It was just out a couple of years ago. And CBS was uh, was carrying the story. And because uh, the guy that had owned the house before her had died, and had no family, no heirs. This was strictly solely hers. And as they began to examine the currency, it was so old, predating uh, 1920s. Uh, it was rare. So that 182000 was worth at least a half a million. And she just stumbled into it. She wasn't searching for a fortune. She wasn't buying lotto tickets and trying to make something happen and, and working systems or anything else. She just stumbled into a treasure. How many of you like to stumble into a treasure? (laughs) Show me where to stumble. Well, these stories that Jesus told, uh, we typically refer to them as parables. And it's important that you understand the story we're going to look at tonight is a parable because a parable is a little bit different kind of story. These are stories that primarily help us to see something about what is God like and something about who are we and how do we connect 
with God. That's what parables typically do. And in the Gospel of Matthew, there there are actually ten parables that are all under the same theme, namely the kingdom of heaven. God's kingdom. And you know that this parable and that parable and the other parable fit that whole theme because they all begin the same way. They begin with an opening phrase that says the kingdom of heaven is like. And the one that we're going to look at tonight says that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's hidden in a field. Let's look at it. It's all of one verse. And so you have to pay close attention. Matthew thirteen forty four, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and he sells off all that he has and he buys that field. What's the kingdom of heaven like? What's it like to find Christ? To find the one who had been born in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago? It's like a treasure that you stumble upon. In a field. Let's think about that for just a moment. He says that this is obviously very valuable, right? Because the one who stumbled upon the treasure, I must have that, goes and does whatever he has to do to be able to have this treasure. He sells everything he's got. He totally liquid, makes liquid all of his assets so that he can have this treasure. And so it's extremely valuable. And we see that it's hidden, but it's not buried. So here you have to begin to use your imagination. When Jesus is telling the story, imagine that uh, this field is like a wheat field. And the wheat has begun to grow a little bit. And this treasure, it's not buried under the ground somewhere where you'd have to go searching and looking and digging. It's just sitting there. But there's a number of, uh, you know, stalks of wheat all around it. And so... Somebody could just walk right by it. Another person could walk right by it. They'd never know it. But this guy walked right by it and just happened to see it. So it's hidden. It's in plain view. But it's not obvious. And then we see that it produces a lot of joy. See, when this person finds the treasure, it's not, oh, I guess I better do whatever I can to get that treasure. It says with joy, he goes and sells everything that he has. He he liquidates everything that he has so that he can go back and purchase this land and thereby have the treasure that was lying there in that piece of ground. It stirs a lot of joy. How many of you are familiar with C.S. Lewis? You've read some of his books. You've seen the movie that's out now, one of the Chronicles of Narnia uh, editions. I, I hope to see that next week. A lot of us have been helped a lot by the writings of C.S. Lewis, great Christian thinker and writer and a, a wonderful storyteller, right? It was not always so. Some of you may be aware that in his childhood, his mother died of cancer before he was 10. And by the time that he was 18, he was so bitter and he was so angry about this whole idea of God. And, and how could there even be a God if my mother died like she did and, and I've had the hardships that I've had? And so he made a choice 
as he was entering adulthood that he was going to be an atheist. He rejects God. He rejects all of what he categorized as the mythology around God. And I'm very happy uh, without that notion of God. Thank you very much. And he goes about his education and he uh, receives his credentials. And as you know, he was quite the scholar. He became a professor. And in that circle of professors, he uh, struck up a friendship with J.R.R. Tolkien. Familiar with him? Another author who just happened to write The Lord of the Rings and a number of other Christian-oriented themed kinds of books. And out of their friendship and their multiple conversations in a particular pub at Oxford, which, by the way, I got to visit that pub a few years ago and just see. Here was the booth where Lewis and Tolkien and all these guys used to uh, talk about faith matters. He said he was just absolutely ambushed by God. He wasn't looking for God. He wasn't searching for God. He had no interest in God. And he said, literally, I got on a bus one day to go somewhere, and I get on the bus an atheist, and by the time I reach my stop, I'm believing in God. And he goes on to say that it was such a surprise of joy. It just so washed over him with joy that he uh, titled his autobiography, Surprised by Joy. And that's what Jesus was saying in this little story, that when you find the treasure, when you find the kingdom of heaven, when you connect your heart with the heart of God, it is such a joyous thing. It defines everything else about who you are. But I want us to think about one last piece in Jesus' story. He said it's not only valuable and it's not only hidden, not obvious, but it's out in plain view. And that produces a lot of joy. But he says it's in the field. See, the guy finds the treasure, puts it back where he found it, goes, liquidates everything he's got so he can buy the field. And when he has the field, then he has the treasure. What's the field? Because you've got to have the field in order to have the treasure. And the field, friend, is our heart. And the point is that God has placed the treasure within us. And it's there to see, to behold, to experience, but it's not always obvious. And if you back up a few verses in chapter 13, he tells another story that just kind of unpacks the whole thing when he talks about the heart. He said it's like a sower who goes out and sows seed. He's just, so, he just indiscriminately sowing seed everywhere. And some of the seed falls on hard soil. So that's like hard hearts. And when it does so, birds just come along and pick away the seed and it's not able to take root in the heart. And he went on to explain later, that's actually the enemy of our soul who comes along and takes away the things that God seeks to plant in our hearts. And he says, but there's another kind of heart. And that heart is not as hard, but it's also not cultivated. It's got a bunch of stones and rocks and and, and sticks and tree roots and whatever in it. And so when the seed penetrates that soil, it, it finds some root. It begins to grow a little bit. It stirs a little joy. 
But uh, in just a little while, all that stuff begins to make the ground so shallow it can't get deeper and it goes away. And, and Jesus went on to say, that it, you know, you have a few problems come along, the joy's gone. But then there's another kind of soil. And that soil has a lot of thorns and thistles and weeds and so on. And likewise, it's not cultivated. And when the seed gets sown, the thorns and the thistles just kind of choke it out. He says that's like when stuff happens in life and you're all worried and fretful and you're wringing your hands. And it just chokes out the joy of God and and the, the message that God has for your heart and for your life. And then he said there's a fourth kind of soil. And that's the good soil. That's the soil that's not hard, but it's all broken up. It's cultivated. All the junk's removed out of it. And the seed can find deep root in that soil, in that heart. And it produces a deep, pervasive joy. Irrespective of circumstances, of problems, of concerns. A joy that just kind of... I'm not talking about a giddy happiness. I'm talking about a joy... That it's well with my soul, it's well with me and God, no matter what the circumstance I am navigating at this particular time. And so, what Jesus is telling us in the hidden treasure story is this. I've already placed it within you. What's the state of your heart? Is it hard? Has it got a bunch of junk in there? So you got thorns and thistles that will choke out whatever I'm up to? Or is it good soil that is open to me and inclined to me so that I can do within you all that I created your life to be? The night of Jesus' birth. How many babies have been born? How many have been born in poverty? How many have had harsh circumstances? His first little bassinet's a feeding trough. And there he is in plain sight of everyone, the treasure of heaven. And only a few get it, and many don't. And the few that get it just stumble upon it, shepherds. They're just out in the field watching their flocks. They're minding their own business. They're not searching for God. They don't have great quests going on in their life. They haven't been poring over all kinds of theological writings. They're just out there with the sheep. And the pursuit of God smacks them right upside the face and they stumble right over the treasure. And because their hearts were in a place where they were, they were captivated by it. And they were forever changed. And so I just have a couple of questions for you as I'm through. Will you? Will you receive the kingdom of heaven? Will you incline your heart? Will you believe the Christmas story? Will you see that the treasure is Jesus? And will you make that Will you esteem that best and first in your own heart? We're going to close with a song tonight. I'm going to ask our our singers to come at this time. As they come, let me uh, just tell you a brief word about what they're going to do. It was 1932. 
uh, a guy by the name of Robert McGinnis had just gone to a Christmas Eve service. And he had a wonderful time. It had been a wonderful little worship gathering for him. And he uh, leaves the church service and he's walking home. And he says as he was walking home, he came across a party and he was stunned at how loud and and bawdy the the party was. And and, and there was a lot of shouting and swearing and whatever. And the next thing you know, he turns a corner and there's a guy lying on the sidewalk, passed out drunk. And he steps over the guy and he's he's troubled now. There's just this contrast between what he's just come from, a Christmas Eve service where everybody was making much of Jesus, to this other celebration where Jesus was nowhere in the picture. And he thought to himself, I wonder if they have any clue that this Christmas thing is all about Jesus. And so he went home. He actually got an envelope, turned it to the backside, and began to write an apology to Jesus. That there are so many of us here. You've come to us. You've made yourself obvious to us, clear to us. And yet so many of us just miss you and, and dismiss you. And he wrote an apology. And that apology is a sweet little Jesus boy that you'll hear now.
who Jesus is? Do you know that He is Lord and Savior? Have you got that treasure in your heart? Whether you stumbled upon it or whether you've been on an intense search and discovered. Our hope and our prayer for you is that you do know Him. He is your treasure and He's forever changing who you are. It has been such a privilege to have you join us tonight. Uh, been a delight to get to meet many of you as you came in. Uh, we do pray that God's blessings are on you over this uh, Christmas weekend and uh, the various festivities that you're going to be having. Let me say a word about the Lord's Supper as we dismiss. If you would like to receive communion tonight, you're welcomed to come to one of three stations. There will be a station here to my left. There will be a station over here to my right. And there's a station all the way back right under that cross, as a matter of fact. And if you'd like to receive communion tonight, you're welcome to do that. If you need to move on and uh, get on to whatever's next for your evening, then uh, when I have a dismissal prayer, you'll be free to go or you're free to, to go to one of our stations. Uh, those who may receive the Lord's Supper are those who have found Jesus as their treasure. And you are a follower of him with all your heart. And you want to celebrate him with the receiving of the bread and the cup tonight. Let me have a prayer of dismissal, and then uh, you can go or you can receive the Lord's Supper. Again, thank you for being here. God, thank you for these friends, for the opportunity that's been ours to be together tonight in this place. Thank you for being here with us. You're what it's all about. So we do celebrate you. We do praise you. We do worship you and for our friends as they go their various ways, we pray blessings on them. Lord, it would be a great weekend, some wonderful memories, some good connection with family and friends. And we pray that in the power of Christ's name. Amen and amen. Good night.